Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and with me as always is a man who we're pretty sure is a cop, Zach Mabry. Zach, how are you, my friend? You're under arrest for that terrible entry in, intro. Oh, man. All, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tweet us at Roman Circus Pod. I'm at Hey, it's Matt Baker. Zach is at Zach Mabry, Z A C Mabry. You can email us podcast at RomanCircusBlog.com. Find us on iTunes, rate and review us if you want. You can also find us on Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play. And also, I, I forgot to add this to my Word document that has our intro, but we're on Patreon now, patreon.com slash Roman Circus Pod. Thank you to all the patrons who have patroned us so far and all of those that will do so in the future. Yes, we uh, love you guys. Zach, it's time for the question that everybody loves to hear me ask. What's going on in the news? Well, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff. There's Trump things happening, as always. Um, sure. Latest Trump thing, I guess, is that the president has declared a state of emergency uh, in order to build the wall. Okay. Um, uh, this will be coming out next week, so I'm sure there'll be something by then. But we'll just say in the past week, he's declared a state of emergency. True. Um you know, there's been more shenanigans with uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> furthermore, additional things have taken place in entertainment as well. Uh, yeah, I think uh, by the time this is released, the Oscars will have happened. Yes, and can you believe the outcome? Oh, what an, what an outcome. I know, the it only, was a shocker. The only thing worse than the Oscars is people tweeting about how terrible the Oscars are. Right. I, I remember last year when they... was it No, it was the was it Golden Globes where they all wore black in honor of their friends who weren't allowed to come because they're predators? I, I forget. Sounds, some, sounds like something they would do. Right, right, right. I don't know. I can't. I can't keep up with what people are wearing and why. Just... Just one day when we have everyone in in red dresses and bonnets, we'll know that it's truly the America we want, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I still haven't watched that show, but my parents love it. Do they? I've never, I haven't watched any of it either. No, and we're talking about The, the Handmaid's Tale. Or is it Handmaid's, Handmaid's Tale? Tale? Yeah. Handmaid's Tale. They were, they were uh, filming in D.C. sometime in the past week. Which is very exciting for them to be on location, I'm sure. Well, yeah. I mean, and it's practically like the show takes place there. That's what, what I've heard. From what I've heard from MSNBC. Yeah. All the time you spend at the gym in the mornings. Yeah. Yep, that's okay. where I see it. That, that's a great... The, new, the, the whole news thing really doesn't work when we record in advance, does it? It was, it was, the news was better when we were less organized. Okay, we'll go. We'll go back to recording night before, after this. I mean, it did give us some fresh content. Let's just say, Let, let's not okay. beat around the bush. 
Yeah, okay. Well, you know, we tried, and that's all that matters. Zach, we had a great episode two weeks ago and last week, but two weeks ago was the intro to the Latin Mass Part 1. It actually uh, became like a top five most listened to episode for us as far as the numbers go. So people really responded to it, and it jumped straight to the top of the charts, um, which is good because we are going to do part two today. It uh, it would have been it would have been a terrible thing to do part two if part one was a massive box office failure. But the re- right, I'm glad. But the return we saw was the good. numbers first. Yeah, we saw we saw the numbers. They responded well. It was like the Wonder Woman of podcasting. So we're going to go with Wonder Woman two, and here it is. So, uh, just to recap, last week, or two weeks ago, two episodes ago, we did basically what you can expect when you walk into the church for Mass. So what you can expect as far as, I don't know, what, what, it, what it will look like. Just, just some basics, just so people aren't caught off guard. Not that there's anything that'll catch you off guard, but if you want to go back and listen to that, that would be... That'd be good, but I think these two kind of work as standalones too. If you want to listen to this one first, and then go back to that one, that works as well. So, what do we got today? We're going to talk about the actual mass sack. Yes, obviously, like you said, last time we kind of gave sort of a, an intro to the environment and going to mass to try to make it less intimidating in case it's intimidating, or or at least just more familiar when you go um, to a Latin mass for the first time. And right. then once you're there, um, there'll be this whole ritual that takes place. And so we'll, uh, we'll talk about that today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this whole ritual. Uh, this, this whole thing they do. Let's start with the, there, there are three different forms of celebration of the Latin Mass, of the Trinitine Mass. Okay. Should we yes. start there? I think that's a good place to start because you'll hear these terms thrown around and they're, they don't really apply outside of the the traditional Latin mass necessarily. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so you'll hear things like low mass or high mass or solemn high mass. Right. Um, or sometimes people will say solemn mass, but they mean solemn high mass. Cause there's just the three, the three kinds. Um, well, and there's a fourth, there's a bonus kind, which we'll talk about in a minute, but, um, Ooh. yes. So when we're talking about low mass, that's basically the very no frills stripped down, Mass. There's not music. Um, nothing is sung. Everything is, uh, in general, the priest prays at a low voice, so you know, not very loud. Mm-hmm. Um, though often they'll they'll still read the scriptures in in the vernacular, and if there's a sermon, of course, that will be in the vernacular, so everyone can hear it. Um, there's no incense. There's just going to be two candles, and then um, basically just some altar boys helping the the priest throughout the mass. And so that's a low mass. And that's what most, most daily masses are low masses. I know at my parish on Sundays, we have one high mass and then four low masses. Right. So it's, it's a, it's basically like a private mass. So the mass, the priest does in private, uh, you know, at his house or in his room, he'll do the low mass. Or if he, if a priest is staying with you, if you're fortunate enough to have that, he might celebrate mass, and it would be the low mass. 
Uh, one one thing, yeah, the way you said there are only two candles lit, if you walk into a Latin mass parish and you're not sure of what mass you walked into, look at the altar, and if you see two candles lit, you'll know it's a low mass. Right. Um, and, yeah, that is, uh, uh, pardon my Latin, but it's the Misa Privata. Is that what, is that how you pronounce that? Yeah, that's kind of your your Latin word for low mass. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, at your parish, Matt, do you guys have? Is there generally a low mass on Sundays, or is it just? Do you guys just have the one high mass? Uh, it is low mass at seven, low mass at nine, high mass at eleven. All right. Yeah, we, they make us get up early for ours. Our high mass is at nine, so mm-hmm. we have. Yeah, but. Um, but it's nice. And then so, yeah, so there's low mass and then, like we said, high mass, which is kind of a more standard kind of um, mass that you'd see. Typically, there'll be one on Sunday at a parish. Um, again, it's still just the one priest and then, you know, a decent number of altar boys helping him during the mass. They'll have all six of the altar candles lit and really nothing is spoken aloud except again if they do the the scriptures and the sermon anything that's that's mm-hmm. done is chanted or sung so there's there's not right. any um you know they don't stand up and read the lord's prayer it's it's chanted mhm right that uh yeah and this is uh there there these tend to be the feast days will be when there'll be a high mass during the week. I don't. I don't know if there's a lot of high masses happening during the week, like yeah, ma- I mean, major feast days or um, like certain you know special events. But yeah, it is. It is a more taxing mass. Basically, it just requires uh, more altar boys and just a little more in general that is best suited for Sunday. Yeah, you have to have a choir. Generally, there's incense. I mean, basically, a lot more um, on a practical level. You couldn't necessarily do this every day, um, right? Though I I do in the summer this program I go to called Pro Civitati Day that we have a we have a high mass every day for that week. So that's uh, you know, for those that that's for those that don't know that is Zach's French drinking party where they all go to France and they consume a lot of wine and we oh, go yes, and we, the mass. And we have mass every day, and we chant the hours with the with the priests. It's wonderful. Um, but yes, so and then of course we're we're right there where rosé is invented. So we we have rosé. Um, it's basically water. Yeah, well, it's cheaper. Um, <laughs> okay, that's the yes. misa, misa cantata. Yeah, misa cantata or high mass. So yeah, and you I mean you'll hear different things like high mass, song mass, etc. Um, but that's what you'll see. And I would, I would recommend this gets people see this differently. I would recommend going to a high mass for your first Latin mass. Mm -hmm. Um, but several people I know recommend that you go to a low mass because the low mass, there's just less going on and it's, it's easier to sort of follow along. I just think that the silence is a lot for someone's first, first time. Yeah, no, that's actually an interesting thing. I, I, tended uh to bring people to the low mass more if i bring them for the first time but the silence yeah that actually i didn't even think about that point uh and also if people would visit me when i was in los angeles if people were visiting 
it was kind of the the only high mass we had was at 7 p.m. on a Sunday. Mm. So it was kind of it was kind of difficult to get people to that one who are in town visiting. So I I would tend to bring them to low masses more. But yeah, it's I I don't know I I guess if you're gonna if you're gonna jump in, you might as well just take the plunge, right? Oh yeah, I mean, and I would say go either way. You're not going to be wrong, um, but it it is a different experience for each one. And it, you know, I think that there's just this initially you're kind of trying to make like one to one connections between the form of the mass that you're used to and then the Latin mass, and um, that's going to be challenging in both environments. So mm-hmm. you know that you can follow it. So then. Moving past high mass is solemn high mass. And so this is, it's really neat when you get to see one of these. We had these at my parish on like very special occasions, obviously Christmas, Easter, and then certain feasts of Our Lady and Our Lord, where you have the the priest or the celebrant is assisted by a deacon and a subdeacon who are typically priests, but for the purpose of the mass, they're acting as deacon and subdeacon. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you will see you know, a seminarian at, at, at some point in their formation being the subdeacon. Right. But, I think it, I think it's a more advanced seminarian, right? So it's like probably after the fourth or fifth year, I think is when they start doing it. Yeah. I mean, that would make sense. Um, I don't, I don't know the technicality there, but, right. but basically I always just say three priests for the sake of, you'll see three different um, people who are clearly not, you know, altar boys, they're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, clerics of some kind. And so they, the three of them, I guess, carry out the ritual. I don't know what I was going to say. The three of them not perform mass, but the uh, each of them have their roles that they play. And then there'll still be several altar boys kind of making sure that everything goes smoothly. There'll always be a choir. There'll be incense. Uh, all the candles are lit. This is kind of your very special occasion mass where, you know, it's getting more solemn, more sacred, more elaborate than high mass even is the solemn high mass. Do you, do you get these very often? Cause I know that you guys just uh, have the one priest. Yeah. Well, so we would have, we had it there. This would be a uh, wedding masses. A lot of times I, the few weddings I've been to, that have been in the Latin Mass have been solemn high masses, and um, we've had a few other ones, uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty rare. the The main difference you'll notice is in the one one of the main differences is the readings. How it one of the how the deacon will do some of the reading, and uh, they'll do it off to the side. It's kind. Of, it is interesting. There's a lot. It there is a lot of pageantry and there's a lot of like I don't know it just you can tell you can just tell right away that it's different than the high mass yes well and that's where you know the um, the subdeacon symbolically you know there's a lot of different symbols taking place and that are kind of intertwined but symbolically the subdeacon represents Israel and the deacon represents the Gentiles and so the subdeacon will read um, the epistle or like the Old Testament reading Mm-hmm. And then the deacon will chant the gospel. And so, um, and then the deacon side is liturgical north, kind of where the Gentiles were, Greece, etc. And then the subdeacon side is liturgical south, if you're looking at the altar to the right. 
and that represents, right. of course, you know, Israel and, and Judah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the fourth one is uh, the Pontifical High Mass. Yes. And that is the Solemn High, but with the bishop. And uh, there will be a seventh candle lit to indicate the bishop's office. I, I think, actually, I think I've been to two of these. We've, we had in Los Angeles, we had Archbishop Gomez do one for the, uh, one at the new church. When the, we got the new church, St. Vitus, he came and blessed the church and did a pontifical high mass. And then one at the old church he did just to kind of stop by and see how things were going. Yeah, as far as I know, that's the only option if you have a bishop is it has to be a pontifical mass or just a low mass. And so they they can't do a a bishop can't just do a normal high mass. Is I think there was a ruling that came out about that a few a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I've never seen a pontifical mass, so I, I can't speak too much about it. I, I do know that that's typically when you see like Cardinal Burke or somebody wearing the long capamania. That's going to be for a pontifical mass. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When he's so comf. Yes. Yeah, so comfortable. So comf. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, those are the four kinds, but again, the most common, well, the, the very most common is low mass and then high mass is kind of what you're going to see at an ordinary parish. And usually in the bulletin or on the mass schedule, it'll say low mass, high mass, et cetera. And uh, you're not cheating if you go to the low mass instead of the high mass, it's all the it's all the mass. You can go to whichever one. Um, especially if if one one like at the new church in Los Angeles, I know people who would go to one of the low masses because there were so many people that they would have to sit basically outside at the high mass, so they just preferred the low mass, which is perfectly fine. But. Oh yes, it's all mass, and it's um, you know it all fulfills your obligation, and they're all beautiful. They're just different. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we won't. Where, get what's too, up next on this journey? Well, we won't get too uh, in depth on the calendar because we've done episodes on that, and we can do a separate one on the calendar. But just as a note, if you're used to a different ritual, if you're used to Eastern Rite Mass or the Ordinary at Mass or the Ordinary Form slash Novus Ordo. Um, you know, each of those rituals has a calendar and the, the traditional Latin mass has a calendar as well. So the feast days aren't always going to line up. For instance, Mm -hmm. uh, currently it is the liturgical season of Septuagesima, which is a two and a half week season in the traditional Latin mass. Nothing like that exists in the, the Novus Ordo, the new mass. There is something similar to it in the ordinariate and in the Eastern Rite, but, um, since, the vast majority of masses are in the ordinary form. It, it may not be as familiar that, you know, you may get there and think, well, why are they in purple instead of green or, or um, things like that. So right. just keep in mind that there is a, a different calendar at play. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yes. I like that. All right. So uh, should we go over some of the liturgical colors or should we talk about that on a different podcast? Yeah, we'll do, um, and we've done it before, but we'll do like a liturgical year and we can talk about that, but you'll, you'll see them in, in different colors. Okay. I like that. We'll give it, uh, act like it's a little cliffhanger for 
not cliffhanger. What do they call it? Just like a thing where we tease it going to break. Like a teaser? Yeah. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> okay. Great. Um, so let's just kind of jump to it. So when you arrive at mass again, like we said last week, it'll be, it'll be quiet in the, in the church, in the chapel. Um, most of the time it'll be people praying and preparing for mass. And so a good thing, I know at my parish, it tends to be standing room only. So arriving early is always a good idea, but you can get there early, find a seat and then spend some time praying and preparing for mass. Usually in the missal, it'll have a few different Psalms that are good for, you know, to pray before mass, or you could pray the rosary or, or just, Mm -hmm. um, you know, mental prayer according to your own words to basically, you know, prepare yourself for the mass that's about to be, uh, said. And you can also at that time, pick a, an intention, a mass intention of what, you know, you'll be offering that mass for and, you know, firming up that intention before you get started. Um, anything to say about preparing for mass? Uh, I no, I, I you covered it, but I do like the idea of um, the offering mass for something, which is something I always think about doing, but then always forget. I need to get better about doing that. Um, I'll, I'll when we get to it, I'll show you a trick for it. You'll you'll be a pro okay. after this episode. Okay, per- perfect. I that's one of the things that I do like is how quiet the inside of the church is before the mass. It, um, I'm not one of those people that that is against people saying hello or you know exchanging pleasantries but also sometimes it can be a little overwhelming if it's just non-stop chatter before before the mass starts and i think sometimes it takes away from what's about to happen so the quieter the better i think is one thing i appreciate yeah yeah i think mm-hmm. you'll you'll generally find that's the case where you go Right. It's nice to have this one spot that's that's quiet. Mm-hmm. And then and then afterwards, go out there and have a ball with the chitter chatter. Yes. Um, and so for the mass itself, we won't spend a ton of time talking about standing, sitting, or kneeling because in general, just kind of follow along. But also, don't worry too much because it's not, um, you know, set in stone. So basically, just you know, try to try to blend in and and don't stress about. About yeah, that, but the it would make it way more confusing if we tried to break it down here. I would just like we said last time, just pick a person and watch that person, and just do whatever they do. Yes. Mm. So the the first thing that will happen in if it's a high mass or a, a solemn high mass is the um, asperges. Mm-hmm. And so basically, what will happen for that is the priest will. Um, he'll process in to the altar. He will have with him a, um, I'm sure there's a, a real term for this, but for lack of a better term, a bucket of holy water. <laughs> and right? a, um, an a, what is it, an aspersiren? aspersiren? The the water flicker? Yes, yeah, the water the, flicker. It's basically a, a, a wand. What, what is asper, it? Aspersorium? Aspersorium, okay. That whole that is the bucket. Aspersorium. Okay. And the aspergillum asper Aspergillum Aspergillum is the wand. So, so you, bucket you have to and be wand. really smart to go to the Latin Mass if you can't tell. 
Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And while the choir and while the choir is singing a psalm, mm-hmm. uh, the priest will walk him down the aisles and he will sprinkle a water on everyone. So mm-hmm. more or less flinging it with the wand. And, um, this is a very ancient ritual. It's, it's beautiful when you watch it done. Um, priests, mm-hmm. each priest has his own way of kind of, of doing it. Um, you'll also notice people will sometimes kneel as he's passing them. Mm-hmm. Um, I always think it looks like they're ducking to not get hit by water, but <laughs> I know that's not, that's not necessarily the most reverent thing, but it, you know, it works. And yeah. And so the, the Psalm is basically saying, you know, wash me O Lord and I shall be cleansed. And, um, I shall be white as snow. And then there's the, the glory be to the father. And it's, it's kind of nice. And it it just sort of starts off the mass before it gets started. Now this doesn't happen in low mass, but, Mm -hmm. um, at a high mass or a solemn mass, you'll start with the, the asperges and that, um, it's a, that's a sacramental. So it's, you know, it is a blessing and there's grace bestowed when you participate in that. Right. So, so jump right in. Perfect. Okay, so, so then it moves on to what's called Mass of the Catechumens, which I think is sort of analogous to, in the newer Mass, the Liturgy of the Word, mm-hmm, kind of. Right. But yeah. um, we, won't get, we, won't tr- we won't try too hard to compare because there's so many differences, but Mass of the Catechumens is the, your, your first piece of the Mass. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is the... Basically, they it has everything where we confess our sins, like the confitior, right? That's the mm-hmm. to relate it to the new mass. That's the through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Um, so that, that's the that's the one thing is there's uh, you'll notice if you're if you fall if you want to follow along that even though it's a even though it may seem so different there's a there's a lot of it is so familiar to the mass that you've already gone to for years and years and years right especially before right before your your conversion zach they changed the the wording to the new mass to make it resemble more of the old mass uh i don't know if you're familiar with that yeah i, re- and, I remember that kind of happening that was like as i was coming into the church and so there's a lot of talk about it at the right. Time. Yeah. So they, the, they did that. Um, people react, people, I mean, reacted fine. Obviously there are people who didn't like it, but a lot of people, there are people that won't like anything that's changing it. But it, um, so I, I guess I'm saying that is, it's one thing to take solace in is that there's a lot of familiar aspects to the Latin mass that you'll be able to associate. So you're not, it's not like a completely different mass. Right, and that's where if if you're not too focused on trying to hang on every single word, you will know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I think the only time you won't know what's going on is if you're if you are trying to literally follow every word, because then you'll get lost. Absolutely. So yeah, kind of like Matt was saying, that first part of the mass it's basically called prayers at the foot of the altar, and so the priest and either the deacon and subdeacon at a solemn mass or the altar boys at a higher low mass will start out. Uh, kneel down in front of the altar before going up to it and say a series of prayers. The first one is Psalm 42, which is um, judge me, O Lord, and distinguish my cause from the nation that is not holy. It's a um, obviously 
a classic, if you will, um, <laughs> and becomes very recognizable. And that's the, the first step. Then you'll have, like Matt said, the confidior, which is the I confess to Almighty God, to Blessed Mary Ever Virgin, to Blessed Michael the Archangel, and so on and so forth. Um, the priest will bow down and say the prayer. Um, and then the altar boys will give him, they'll say the words of, uh, I guess, kind of absolution. I'm, I'm sure there's a, a better phrase for when it's in the mass and it's not like a sacramental absolution, absolution. Um, but then the altar boys will bow down and pray on behalf of all of the people the the same prayer. So you have at the beginning two confidiors, mm-hmm. um, the priests and then everybody else. And so that's a good time if you are paying attention. When you see the altar boys bow down, you could pray the confidior, you could pray um, an act of contrition, or you could just you know silently ask God for forgiveness for your your sins um, at that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So after. After that, the priest then will actually go up the steps to the altar and um, kiss the altar. They'll be uh, at a high mass. There'll be incense, and um, the mass will proceed. It will then. Nope. Go ahead, Matt. Oh, I was gonna say, is it is it fair to say that this is? Uh, I like to look at this as kind of one of the. There's a couple preparations so whenever there's incense i feel like it's it's uh, preparing for the rest of the mass like cleansing and like making sure we're we're okay to continue per se so like you're the confidior is where we're confessing our sins and uh just kind of laying laying all our, laying our our humanness out there and to be cleansed and then again the incense it's kind of cleansing the altar. So this is kind of the beginning, like the first moment of preparing for the sacrifice of the mass. Yeah. I always find it jarring when I, when I'm traveling and I'm at a different mass and you know, the mass just like starts and the priest just goes straight up to the altar and everything, you know, runs ahead. I'm like, Oh, are we, we're already doing it. You know, it's nice to have these sort of introductory rites to, to gradually kind of take ourselves into the the sacred moments of the mass. Well, um, yeah, because if this is if this is a sacrifice, and if this is this is kind of the you know the modern day Passover, the Passover uh, in the in the moment we are, then there has to be some cleansing of the altar. Uh, this may be a bloodless sacrifice, right? Like it uh, it isn't you know back when they were doing sacrifices of animals they would have to clean the altar so we're not necessarily doing that but the priest does have to do some cleansing and making sure that this space is prepared for what's about to take place right Mm -hmm. right right so thank you after that the um the priest will will ascend up the altar and then we'll pray the introit which changes for each mass. So that part is one of the changeable parts that mm-hmm. takes place. Um, that's also what you'll normally hear the choir singing uh, in the background. And this is a good time to point out that the priests and the choir are not moving in lockstep with each other throughout the whole time. So, you know, the priest will pray the introit once he ascends up the altar, but generally the choir starts praying it as soon as the 
liturgy begins because mm-hmm. it will take the choir much longer to to chant in right. Latin. After that is the Kyrie, which is everyone's familiar with Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Lord have mercy and Christ have mercy. It's said uh, nine times, basically three times for the Father, three times for the Son, three times for the Holy Ghost. Um, I've heard it compared nine times, one for each of the choir angels, um, different okay. different things I've heard. Have right. you heard any of those, Matt? Uh, I have not, but I like it, I appreciate it, and I will accept it. Nice. Yeah, so the Kyrie and then uh, the Gloria comes after that. So uh, this is this right. is one of those things where if you're new, yeah, this is the familiar part to you. You know the Kyrie, and then you know the Gloria. You might not know the words in Latin, but you know enough. You can know enough to understand that that's what's taking place. Because right. odds odds are, you've heard Gloria and Chelsea Steo if you've been to Mass, so you can understand when he says that. So, yes, exactly. Um, so after the Gloria, that's sort of the beginning of what I would call kind of the preparation of mass mm-hmm. and then the second part would be the instruction and so that's going to start with what's called the collect and you basically with the collect that's another prayer that changes for each mass and so it'll be specific to the you know the feast that's being celebrated the saint or you know the scripture that's about to be read basically you'll have the the collect and mm-hmm. the scriptures so there'll be the um, epistle, epistle will be read, yeah, right. which could be a, a section from the Old Testament or from one of the letters of St. Paul or Revelation, basically something from the Bible that's not the gospel, um, a passage. Mm-hmm. Right. And and then after that? You have the the gradual and alleluia. This right. Is, this is the, so this is the interesting thing. What, one of the things I noticed right away when I was at the mass for the first time is um, it okay and it, I, it, I don't want to make it sound negative because it's not but it takes a little longer the alleluia in the the Latin mass form the uh, it it I don't know I guess because it's two different things it's the gradual and then the alleluia so it's um, it's would it be fair I I don't think it's exactly like the responsorial psalm that the new mass has, but I think there's, you can look at it as if it were just to be the first reading, the psalm, the alleluia, and then the gospel, if the new mass did it that way, if the mass, the mass we're all used to that we grew up in did it that way. But since it's chanting, it takes a little, a little bit longer. Um, I don't like I said I don't say that to sound negative. It's just one of the things that stuck out to me in my first. Yeah, day. oftentimes during high mass, you'll see the priest will, you know, he'll pray this the the gradual psalm and the Alleluia, and then he'll go be seated right. while the choir finishes, and and then once the choir's finished, he'll stand up and resume, basically to point out that when you do have the choir chanting the psalm and the alleluia, it, it can take some time. And that's mm-hmm. a good time to reflect and, and you know, to continue in prayer uh, if you are if you happen to be present. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so that, yeah, it's just one of those things. And that's the other thing you talked about, the priest going to sit down. The priest, it seems like the priest will sit down at Mass in odd times, but um, it's because sometimes, like the Gloria, he'll sit down in the middle of the glory or in the middle of the creed, I believe we haven't gotten there yet, but uh, it's because the priest will pray. And then the, uh, at the same time that the choir is praying. So they're not, like you said, they're not like doing it lockstep. So if the priest sits down, but you're in the middle of what seems to be the, a prayer that is, that's okay. You're, you can sit down too. Right. And that's kind of one of the nice things is that, you know, some of these chants or even the, if you have a polyphony at the mass will be quite long for the Gloria or the Creed. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of nice that the people can be seated and reflect on the sacred actions taking place or, you know, to continue in devotion. So it, but yeah, you kind of follow the priest's lead on, on those things. Yeah. So, okay. So then we got, we have the gospel. Everyone knows the gospel. Yes, and um, so, you know, you'll stand for the gospel. And then after the gospel, the priest will, he will uh, go and he will read the the epistle and the gospel in the vernacular. He might not at the low mass, at the daily mass, just kind of depends. But um, so this is, this is the part where he will, he'll read the readings, uh, I, at your parish, do they do announcements during this time too? Yeah. So if there's going to be a sermon, so typically for obviously Sunday mass and then certain daily masses, the priest will, you know, after, after doing, uh, in the liturgy, proclaiming the, the readings in, in Latin, he'll, you know, turn around go up to the pulpit, uh, pulpit. read the scriptures. That's the word I couldn't figure out. I was trying to like dip and dodge and dive and dodge around that, but yeah. Pulpit. To the to the liturgical stand, yeah, um, to the standing place of the gospel, yeah, um, and then he'll give any announcements for the parish at that time, followed by the sermon. Right. Okay. Good sermons always good. I've I've uh, I love I love me a good sermon. Everyone knows about that. Uh, you will notice that the priest, I I. Do not say that. I only say this as a fact. The priest does not leave the pulpit during the sermon at the Latin Mass. Um, and that's all I will say about that. Yes, no hoverboards. Yeah. Um, the And it, this is something interesting, and I'd, I'd, I'd love feedback on this, but my understanding is that it is a sermon and not a homily, and that there's a difference, and that the sermons are, are topical, whereas the homilies are sort of a reflection on the day's readings. Hmm. Um, okay. So I I don't I don't have any reason to not believe that, but I I hadn't encountered that until someone told me recently. Basically, then, our podcasts are sermons; they are not homilies. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Um, and the sermons can be sometimes long and sometimes not. I mean, a lot of a lot of the fraternity of Saint Peter priests are known for having excellent sermons, and so. Mm. It's it's pretty neat what you'll you'll sometimes hear, and also you know, they're any, not afraid to go there. <laughs> any priest that listened to to this podcast is also known for having excellent sermons. Zach, I can oh of course I I just like to put that out there. Yes, or homilies, whatever it may be, whatever floats your um, boat. Yes, 
and then after the sermon there will be the creed mm-hmm. which like matt said it's it's longer when you have a high mass and it's being chanted so the priest will in a low voice he'll pray through the creed and then uh step to the side and be seated and then at that point you can be seated as well while the choir finishes the chanting the creed and then you'll continue with the mass mm-hmm. right um so those kind of make up the second part, basically, like I was calling it the instruction, where you mm-hmm. have the, the collect, which will be related to the what's about to be read. You'll have the epistle, the gradual and alleluia, the gospel lesson, the sermon, and then the creed, which obviously summarizes all the key points of the faith. Okay. Now we're now we're getting to the, the big stuff. It's all big stuff, but now's the uh, this is the mass of the faithful, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. and so I guess this would be comparable, like in the the new mass, to the liturgy of the Eucharist. Okay. Um, uh, so yeah, what I would the... call this the I call this third part basically kind of the offertory for what happens uh, in this this section of the mass. Right. So this is the the uh, prayers of the faithful do not ha- it happen. The priest prays for the intentions of the mass and the intentions uh, instead of, you know, having the, we pray to the Lord, Lord, hear our prayer. The priest. Oh, I forgot about that. that. I, I forgot that that happens. Now I'm kind of mad. You reminded me. You know, what's up? I forgot that that, that whole thing happens. Like where you, where you stand up and then people say things and you say, Lord, hear our prayer. I, Mm -hmm. I totally forgot about that being a thing yeah well if but now i remember if you if you're if you're lucky enough to go to a, some some churches they they shout it out from the congregation they shout out their prayers never necessarily been a fan of that but you know it happens tommy ty always has some funny jokes along those lines of like things that he'll i'm assuming he doesn't actually do any of them but things to shout out when they're doing the popcorn prayer right <laughs> Okay, so they the priest take takes care of that. Um, that's kind of that is the theme again. I'm just again stating a fact. I never want to draw any controversy, controversy, but the priest kind of take takes care of most of everything, except you know at the the points that the the altar boys need to assist. But yeah, everything that happens on the outward kind of physical level the priest pretty much does mm-hmm. so it's not it's not there's no like cutting corners or the priest is not uh not not doing something if you he might be doing it you know where you can't really hear but he's he, all the all the parts of the mass are being done yes and so here's the here's the part where you can form an intention so okay. we talked about this during this section because this is sort of the offertory um the priest will will do this move where he turns around in a circle and he opens his hands out to everybody while he's turning. Mm-hmm. Usually he'll keep his eyes shut and and then he'll, it's kind of a he just makes a circle. Right. Okay. At that point you have to think that he's essentially gathering up all the prayers of the faithful uh, for the mass. And so that's when you want to make sure and have your your intention set for that mass. And so mm-hmm. um, I would always say, if you can't think of anything special, like for my grandma or something, just think, you know, for a happy death, just, you know, 
that's a, a good go-to you can always ask for if you can't think of, of anything else. Nice. I've never um, asked for that. I'll have to ask for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, not until we finish this episode, but sure. Um, <laughs> a happy that's death a good... after a wonderful episode. Okay. So what? Yes. what is the, is that the way I can remember? Because I told you I was yeah, when forgetting. He, yes. When he turns around, when you see him turn around and open his hands, uh, that's a good time to get your intention out quickly because the offertory is about to be said. Okay. All right. Cool. I'll, 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 I'll tell you right now that I will remember that and then I will forget again, but at least in the moment I will remember. Yes. Um, so then there's a lot of prayers. Most of them are, are nearly silent that'll take place where the, the priest will be um, praying over the offerings, the offerings mm-hmm. being uh, the bread and the wine. Right. If it's high mass, they'll incense the offerings and the faithful. So the, the, um, what's he called? Not the torchbearer, the... Um, That's the Olympics, Zach. The thurif, the thurifer, thurifer, the, 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 the incense? The, yeah, the incense altar. The thurible. Okay. Oh, the thurifer. Yeah. So the thurifer will then incense the other altar boys and the ministers and then you if you're there at the mass. Mm-hmm. Um, the priest will wash his hands, which, you know, everyone's kind of familiar with that where he, he'll, he'll dip his fingers in the... Um, the holy water, and right. then pray the kind of familiar. Um, Lord, wash away my iniquities, cleanse me from my sins. That well, no, it's actually like an entire psalm. Okay, that you get, but then after that's the familiar, the Arate Fraters, um, which is the, you know, in English it's the pray that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable. Ah, right to God. Yeah, and so that's that's kind of that third part, the offertory, where we're making it clear that the sacrifice is being offered to God. And that's a good time to kind of firm up your intention of what, you know, you're asking for with that mass. This Um, is also, it's like the, the other part of the preparation that I was talking about earlier, like making sure everything is, is ready to go before the sacrifice. Yes. I don't know. That's just the way I like to look at it. I don't know if there's something wrong and something no, I think that's exactly. I mean, because that's when the, the, kind of like you said, the the, the gifts are incensed, mm-hmm. and the priest washes his hands. And I mean, yeah, if you look at it, it is it does have a very preparatory nature to it. And then the offertory verse is said, which will change for each mass as well. Okay, so that's one of the variable parts. Um, the prayers for this are really beautiful if you were to look them up they don't really change but it's you know god who of human substance you know who created humanity and more marvelously redeemed it i mean it's it's beautiful what is prayed during this part of the mass that the priest is saying so i would recommend looking that up not Mm -hmm. necessarily trying to follow every bit of it during the mass but you know on your own time just reading through the reading through the pieces and then that's kind of the third part there the the offertory the fourth part is called the consecration and oblation. Okay. I think yes. we, I think we're all fairly familiar with that or what those words yes. are. Yes, I mean it moves into the preface, and so that's where you get the um, Dominus Vobiscum et cum spirito tuo, mm-hmm. sursum corda. Um, the you know the part of the mass most people remember, especially in English, because that's the. Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Right. That is, piece. Yeah. 
Then there will be a preface, which those do change on kind of a rotating basis. Certain feasts and seasons have a proper preface prayer that's used. Proper preface prayer, particularly (laughs) pious during Paschal. No, okay. Um, Those will just be a quick prayer. When there's not one assigned, there's this preface of the Holy Trinity that's prayed. Um, So Mm. a, a quick prayer before the consecration. Then the Sanctus, which is... Familiar. I mean, my parishes that I went to frequently would pray the Sanctus in Latin, even if the rest of the Mass was English. But it would, you know, basically the Holy, Holy, Holy Lord of hosts, heaven and earth, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> right. You know that yeah. part. Um, yeah. And then that moves into the canon. The canon is the same at every Mass, um, so it's... Well, even though it's prayed silently, it is something you could become rather familiar with and get started. So there's the 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 reading for the dead, the commu- sorry, the living, the commemoration for the living. But then it moves mm-hmm. into the you know the canon as we're all familiar with it. Um, you know, in communion with and venerating the memory in the first place, the glorious Virgin Mary, Mother of God and Lord Jesus Christ, and also thy blessed apostles and martyrs. Peter and Paul, Andrew, James, John, Thomas, James, Philip, Bartholomew, mm-hmm. Matthew, Simon, and Thaddeus, Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius. Those are popes. Um, and then you get martyrs, especially in Rome, which I won't read all their names. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are good names. You know, if you're also looking for a baby name, you could just do the names from the uh, from the canon. That's great. That's a Linus, Cletus, Clement. So this would, in the comparison to the. Novus Ordo, this would be like the Eucharistic prayer, right? There's, I think so. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, yeah. Although they don't, oh, I, I, I always liked it. it. It was always so few and far between when they would read a bunch of the saints' names. I always appreciated it because, because a lot of the names, like you said, are they're great names, but they're names you just don't hear a lot of anymore. Right. No, the the common one that's used, they replace the names of the saints with talking about Dufall. And so it's, it's very lovely. Um, <laughs> so spiritual. Yeah. Um, so then then comes the actual consecration. And so that's when, you know, the priest will will lean over the, the bread. And then after saying these words, he's no longer leaning over bread, but he's leaning over um, a man. And that man is God. Right. Um, and then same for the wine. And so... Uh, when that happens, the priest will, uh, it's called the major elevation. The priest will raise up the host after consecrating it. Mm-hmm. And so that's a good time to, you know, you kind of look at it and then silently you can pray, my Lord and my God. Right. It's actually uh, adoration within the mass. So a lot of people would would bow their heads and would not, they would bow their heads obviously out of respect. But I had a priest once say that that's, you shouldn't bow at that moment. You're actually, it's a chance to, uh, you know, have adoration in that moment. So, okay. so we, so we can all stare at it. Yeah. Um, he'll, he'll do the same with the wine. And so at that point, the consecration will have taken place. The body and blood, soul and divinity of our Lord will be present on the altar. Um, okay. And then basically the oblation, where the priest offers to God the uh, the sacred victim, mm-hmm. calling to mind, of course, Calvary. Um, mm-hmm. 
everything with the canon and the consecration is prayed. It, it gets it'll be completely silent for that part of the mass. The choir will have will have stopped singing. Um, all that you'll hear are the bells that will ring, unless it's mm-hmm. uh, during Holy Week and they use these clapper things. But for the rest of the year, they they ring these bells. And oh yeah, the clappers that's when you can look up. I know I wasn't expecting it the first time I heard it. Wild. <laughs> um, but for the bells, and but other than that, it's it's totally silent, and it's it's a neat moment to just really connect yourself with what's going on and what's happening. And you know, you can be watching, or you can be you know have your eyes closed, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. But you know, this is the kind of the high point of the mass uh, when when our Lord's body becomes present. Right. So then the priest commemorates the dead. So it's a good time to just remember any of your dead relatives or friends mm-hmm. um, and, you know, ask God to grant them heaven if, you know, if they're still in purgatory or, or what have you. Um, and then essentially that kind of wraps up that section, the consecration and oblation or what I was calling the fourth part of the mass. Mm-hmm. Matt, can you guess what the fifth part is called? The fifth part of the mass, uh, it would be the, no, I don't know. What is it called? The communion. Oh man. It was sitting right there and I, I whiffed. I know. It's okay. It's okay. I was putting you on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the next part, you know, after obviously the consecration and oblation, um, the mass has been offered is the communion and that's where, um, you know, we unite ourselves to God through Holy Communion if we're going to receive, or you can make a spiritual communion if not. Um, that kicks off with the Our Father being prayed mm-hmm. um, by the priest. So usually you won't necessarily hear it. Then the in the high will, in the high mass you will it he that's right it's chanted right. So in the high mass it's chanted, and that's also if you. If you're kind of if you're sitting there and everything is everything is in quiet and you're not sure what's going on, you'll you'll recognize that. Even though again, you may not understand it in the Latin, it it changes and you'll actually like you, the priest will start chanting and you'll be able to know that oh, this must be the Our Father. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Now after so the Our Father, the, right? Well, is wait. The, uh... <laughs> What? Um, I was going to say that after the Our Father is the the fraction of the host. Okay, but before that, the one thing is there's there's no sign of peace amongst the congregation after the Our Father. Uh, there is a sign of peace at a solemn high mass between the priests, which is very interesting, and I I it's it's cool to watch because they all it's it's not like a handshake they what they do is they place their hands on each other's shoulders and they kind of bow off to the one side of each other and it's it's not it's not anything that you would do in in day-to-day life as far as making peace with someone but i think i i'm not sure the specifics of why they do it but there's it is there is a reverence and just kind of a peacefulness to the way they exchange peace with each other. Yes. Yeah. And I've, I've done that before when I've been, um, 
serving the altar at a solemn high mass once and it's I can't even remember the specifics, but yeah, it's a very specific motion that is done mm-hmm. and the way that it, it proceeds. But yeah, there's not the kind of the silly handshaking greet your neighbor moment right. uh, in the traditional Latin mass. Right. Okay. I just wanted to, I just wanted to throw that tidbit in there. All yes. right. So the breaking of the bread, the splitting of the host. Yes. The, the priest will uh, break the host and then, um, believe he does he put a piece of the host in the wine yes does he, that he, he does he places a particle uh, like a fraction the very bottom of one of the pieces of the host into the chalice okay it it's the mingling of the bread and the wine in the chalice symbolizes the miraculous reunion of jesus's body and blood at his resurrection that's right, that's right. Okay. At one time, it was common to reserve the particle broken from the host for the next day's Mass. Oh. And uh, this reserve piece was called the Sancta. These particles could also be shared with other churches, in which case they were referred to as the fermentum, the Latin word for leaven. These shared particles signified the unity of each and every celebration of the Mass in the one sacrifice of the cross. Yes, I'd heard so about that, that, where churches will, they'll share, they would share pieces of the host between them as a sign of essentially being in communion with each other. Mm-hmm. Right. As a way to like, this is all, this is all the same mass and we're all one. Right. Okay. I like that. There's, um, there's something nice about that. Yeah. After that, you have the, the Agnus Dei, the Lamb of God mm-hmm. prayer, which is pretty familiar. Mm-hmm. It's prayed three times. Usually, uh, at least at our parish, you'll see people kind of striking their breasts during that right piece of the Mass. Um, and then you kind of move into the actual prayers in preparation for communion. Mm-hmm. So the priest will say several different prayers, and then finally there'll be the um, the Domine non, non Sum Dignus. Mm-hmm which will be said three times, and that's basically translated, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldst enter under my roof. Say but the word, and my soul shall be healed. Um, So that's said three times. Um, Right. So he... This is oh, actually, the sorry, I was getting ahead of myself. It's The priest prays it three times in preparation for his communion. Right. So after he prays it, the priest then takes communion. Right. Yeah. Okay, then it's our turn. Okay, so wait, before that, there's one thing. Um, the When the priest is uh, consuming the, the blood, the precious blood out of the chalice, what will happen is the confitior will be set again by the altar servers. Okay? And one of the reasons that this is, as I was told by a, a priest, is uh, when the priest... When the priest is saying mass on his own, he he will do all the parts of the mass by himself. But this this confitior that's done right before communion is the altar server will say it to uh, signify to the priest that there are people in the congregation that will be receiving the Eucharist. So at one point, it I mean it's basically a given now that there is someone. 
that's going to receive the Eucharist at every Mass, basically everyone. But at one point, um, when it was tougher, when you had to basically, when your spiritual director told you you were in a state worthy to receive, there would be Masses where only the priest would um, consume the body and the blood. But the altar server, by saying the second confitior, the priest would know that other there were other people in the congregation that would be receiving as well. So I don't know if you knew Interesting. that. Yeah. So the they, one thing I would say is that it's actually the third confitior because sure. the, the first time is the priest and the second time is the altar voice right, right, right. and then this one's the third one. Sorry. Yeah, I meant second time by the altar servers, but you're right. So it. Uh, so yeah, that was just something that I found that I heard that I thought was interesting to slip into this podcast and it, yeah. um, he wouldn't, that's why he, he wouldn't say it on his own in a private mass, but it was, it was done as to, I mean, it's always good to do prayers, but done as a signifier that to know that people will be receiving. Yeah. And this is actually okay. one of my favorite parts of the mass is this confidior. Mm-hmm. So the like you said, as the priest is receiving communion, the altar boys will bow down and, and lead the confidior. And if you're there, you can just pray along silently. And then the priest will take this half step back towards everybody and will give them um, the blessing. He basically says, May Almighty God have mercy upon you, forgive you your sins, and bring you to life everlasting. Amen. Mm-hmm. May the Almighty and merciful Lord grant you pardon, absolution, and remission of your sins. Amen. And this is actually a sacramental and it will remit uh, any venial sins that are on your soul if you're in the state of grace and, you know, make you that much more prepared to receive communion. So he, he um, has his left hand on the altar. Do you know the significance of that? No. I, I don't I don't either. I was, I was just oh, asking okay. to see if you knew as well or if you knew. Yeah. Not as well because I didn't know. Um. Okay, so... So, so then you'll have again the after that you'll have the Agnus Dei and then the the Domine non sum dignus the Lord I'm not worthy that thou shouldst enter under my roof, um, and then right. finally the people will be invited up to receive communion where you you go up to the altar rail and you kneel down um, and you'll you get kind of like earlier in the mass there was that moment of adoration that Matt was talking about this is kind of a moment of benediction where you're first giving a given a blessing with the host and the priest makes the sign of the cross with the host over you and then he places it on your tongue. So you have uh, time for both adoration and benediction built into the mass. Mm-hmm. Pretty fantastic. Uh, they, they, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, but in the Latin mass, uh, the only the host is received by the congregation. They, the, the priest does both species of the Eucharist, but the blood is not given to the congregation. And I think at, at one point it was stopped to snuff out a heresy. I think there was a heresy that you weren't fully participating in the Eucharist if you didn't receive both. So they they did it to kind of snuff that out. And um, it's also, if you, the, if you try and give the chalice to the congregation, it can get kind of, it you run the risk of, basically dropping the chalice or getting the precious blood everywhere. So I think there's multiple reasons along those lines why they only do the host. Yeah. I mean, I've, I haven't been to a mass in some time where they they did distribute the precious blood, but it is kind of jarring to see because 
yeah, like you said, it can be spilled or you'll notice people wiping it off their mouths and mm-hmm. all kinds of, of just horrible things. And yeah. so um, it is, yes, so only the priest will receive from the chalice, um, except for there's exceptions for people that have, you know, very severe uh, like gluten allergies right. because obviously the, the accidents of the bread are still present. Right. And so um, you'd still be allergic to it. And so, you know, that's kind of a exception where somebody will speak to the pastor and they'll, they'll kind of make arrangements with them. Um, and what the priest is saying in Latin when he's giving you communion is, uh, may the body of our Lord Jesus Christ preserve thy soul to life everlasting. Amen. And then he places it on, on your tongue. Yeah, there it is. Then you can go back and you can, to your prayers of thanksgiving and while the priest uh, purifies the chalice and the ciborium and takes care of all of that yes a good rule of thumb that I've been told is just you know if you're going to receive communion make sure that you can pray for you know stay in prayer for about 15 minutes after you receive um, right that's so. how long it stays in your in, in you and you in that time you become a human monstrance Yes, yeah, I think that's what theologians have worked out, that basically they say about 15 minutes the the presence remains with you. Um, Which makes sense, because so, if it's if the host is just flour and water, right, if it has to be just very basic, it's not going to, it's going to dissolve and disintegrate pretty quickly. Right, right. So, um, <laughs> you know, a tip if you are in a hurry is just to sit close to the front, and then you have, you know, more time while everyone else is... Uh, receiving communion for for you to make your prayers oh great a little pro tip pro tip um all okay, right so, so that's the whole fifth part the communion okay so what is it now is it the the farewell so long farewell the sending Close. forth the the thanksgiving okay oh i thought okay so the uh the thanksgiving there'll be acts of gratitude so the priest will be saying different prayers during the ablutions basically when he's um cleaning and blessing all the different vessels that were used at the altar. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there'll be the communion antiphon and the post-communion, so two different readings that change for each Mass. Okay. Um, And then, finally, the priest will say the Ita Misa Es, and then everybody takes off. Deo gratias, and, you know, you head out. Um, I have have one more cool thing that is just a it's just a thing that is fun to note about the purifying of the chalice so it's important that the priest always drinks from the same side when purifying the chalice to ensure that no trace of the sacred blood is left on the rim which makes sense Uh, so in order to help the priest with this the chalice has a small cross engraved on the base of the chalice to mark the side that the priest can drink off of which is neat to kind of keep track and just in case the priest forgets he has that mark there to let him know oh, so that yeah. Is cool. yeah I didn't know that now you do the more you know now I do um, so then there's the final blessing where the priest will, will give everybody a, um, a blessing and the Mass ends, but then there's the last thing, which, again, this is one of my favorite parts of the Mass, is the last gospel. Okay. So I know this is, always gospel, like a, this is always a fun gotcha for people who think the Mass is going long, and it's like, okay, we're being dismissed, 
and then he walks over to the gospel side of the altar and they're just like what's what's happening is there more mass happening I know, but wait, there's more. <laughs> um, yeah, so at this point in the Mass, the the uh, the priest goes over and he, he prays, or he reads uh, from the Gospel of John, the first 14 verses. You know, mm-hmm. in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, so at the end of every Mass, that is prayed. And um, it's one thing that I like, I do actually like to follow along with that part, and I like to read that section when it comes up in the mass, because it is an important passage and it reminds us, you know, that, that Jesus is God and, um, it's just a, a nice sending forth and, you know, prayer of Thanksgiving after the mass. Mm -hmm. Um, so after that part, the, the mass ends officially, whether it's low mass or high mass, but, um, if, so if it's high mass, they will, they'll process out with the cross and on the altar boys and the, the priests and everybody. Um, if it's low mass, they actually will kneel down and there's prayers that are prayed after every low mass. Do you want to talk about those, Matt? Yeah. Are these called, is the name from the Leonine prayers? Yes. Okay. So it's, it's the hail Mary and it's repeated three times and then it's the hail Holy queen. And then it's, um, and then it's a, the prayer after the hail Holy queen was a prayer. I was not, actually familiar with i don't know the name of it but it's um it's a good prayer it starts off oh god our refuge and our strength and they oh they'll usually say these prayers in the vernacular so they'll do them in english if you're in in america or in an english-speaking country so you can follow along and then the last yeah that's basically a prayer for the liberty and exaltation of the church right it's a a beautiful prayer and then the final prayer is the saint michael prayer and then the ending is repeating, the priest will say, Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the congregation says, Have mercy on us, and they'll repeat those three times. And those are those prayers. Yes, and those are good because you're praying for the church right? in those moments. And I think sometimes it, it doesn't occur to people how important it is to pray for the church. Mm-hmm. I think maybe after last summer we're all... <laughs> comfortable with the idea that the church needs prayers but right. <laughs> sometimes we forget so well, in the, this in is the nice... days before 24-hour news and social media when we were not aware of every single thing that was happening uh it it you know it was nice to pray for them people didn't people didn't know to the extent they had to pray for the church so we just prayed for the church right 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 and so that is the end. And so at that point in the Mass, you'll see most people will continue to pray for a bit. There's psalms in the Missal that they, you know, are recommended for after Mass. Some people like to pray the Rosary or, you know, the Divine Mercy Chaplet or or something. Um, But usually people will stay and pray for a bit before they uh, take off and leave the Mass. But basically those are the kind of the the six parts of, of Mass, as we said. The um, preparation, instruction, um, oh no, preparation, <laughs> instruction, the offertory, the, uh, consecration and oblation, the communion, and then the Thanksgiving. There you go. Yeah. Broadly He's... divided up into mass of the catechumens and mass of the faithful. He's single ladies. Yeah. <laughs> um 
Yeah, so that's... I'm trying to think if there's any other points that I would mention. I mean, following each of these parts, the nice thing is you don't have to... It doesn't depend on you knowing what's going on, so you can you can gradually become more familiar and more comfortable with what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think you will... Uh-oh. Start to spot... I know, sorry about it. <laughs> Had to yawn. You, uh, you will start to, to spot how deep there's so many different symbols kind of programmed in that, you know, we couldn't in one episode possibly talk about all the just layers and layers of meaning that's, you know, built into these rituals and the calendar and, and everything. But you, you'll start to, you'll start to learn them. And a lot of times the priests will, will discuss them in the sermons and stuff to gradually educate all of us on, on what's going on at mass. Fantastic. Fantastic. Are you sold, Matt? Are you going to go to Mass? I, I, you know, I was on the fence before the beginning of this podcast, but I think I will find my way to Mass. There you go. Shall we do a Saint of the Week to close this out? Let's do it. Saint Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows. You seen this guy? You heard about this guy? His feast, Actually, no. Okay, his feast day is February 27th. He is the patron of students Youth, clerics, seminarians, and Abruzzo, Italy. I'm sure there's a more Italian way of pronouncing that. Abruzzo? I don't know. Died February 27th, 1862 at the tender age of 23 and was canonized May 13th, 1920 by Pope Benedict XV. He was the 11th out of 13 children. He was baptized on the day of his birth in the same font that St. Francis of Assisi was baptized. When he was young, he was known to take great care of his appearance and would spend hours preparing for parties. Zach, sounds like someone I know. Uh, In 1851, he became ill and promised to enter religious life if he was healed. He was healed, but he did not enter. And then in 1853, he fell ill again, and he was healed, and he attributed the healing to then uh, beatified Andrew Babola, who is now a saint. This time he started the process to religious life. He applied to the Jesuits, but he never followed through. Uh, There was a cholera epidemic that uh, killed his sister, and when it ended... The civic authorities organized a procession of an image of the Blessed Virgin Mary through town. And it was actually this procession that was the driving force to finally get him to enter religious life. And he entered the Passionist Congregation. And uh, in in 1856, he received his habit. And he lived... lived there for the next few years before he became sick of tuberculosis which was a shame Uh, on his deathbed he ordered his spiritual writings to be burnt because he feared that they would tempt him to pride which is pretty interesting only his letters survived along with his resolutions which mapped the spiritual progress he made in his first few years as a passionist Uh, unfortunately before he could be ordained a priest he died in the retreat at Isola del Gran Sasso in the early hours of February 27th in the presence of the community, holding close an image of Our Lady of Sorrows and smiling peacefully. 
Uh, those who were with Gabriel when he died reported that at the moment of his death, he sat at his death, he sat up in bed, and his face became radiant as he reached out, seeing figure that was entering the room. And it was the opinion of some of the priests there that St. Gabriel had seen the Blessed Virgin Mary at the moment of his death. What's good about St. Gabriel, other than the obvious of him being a saint, is there he's a good reminder of nothing necessarily extraordinary happened to him. He's, he's, he's kind of known for a normal life in the monastery, but he just followed the rule of the congregation perfectly and had a great devotion. So it, it shows that we don't need to be martyred or we don't need to like be tremendous, extraordinary, mind blowing people to become saints. We can just be, great people that follow the rule of the church and you know live with great devotion yeah i feel like people were constantly dying of tuberculosis back in the day i know i think they would like we we have so much fun talking about oregon trail but there's probably like hundreds of years of people who would be wildly offended at the fact that their sicknesses were video game fodder well yeah but i'm especially tuberculosis it's like I want to know, like, when was the last time, I mean, maybe there are people who still die of tuberculosis, but it, it seemed like it was happening to just everybody mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. So I don't know anybody that's had it. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Unless I hope that that remains that way. It maybe we'll change that, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's hoping. All right. That's St. Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows. Yeah. Well, St. Gabriel, pray for us. All right, Zach. Good work. Uh, this is part two and give us any feedback you care to give us positive or negative um and you know if it if it if you get the urge to visit our patreon do that patreon.com slash roman circus pod and uh, yeah that's about it what do you, you got anything else before we send it off i don't think so uh go to the mass and see if we uh if if what we told you is true and let us know what you think. Well, I think what we told him is true, but we'll see see how you like it. We'll go with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. Talk to you next week. See ya. See ya.